All right, well, good morning. Uh, I'm going to start uh, this morning by uh, doing a bit of a a review or a summary of um, the previous uh, studies that I've done. So I think we've done three uh, up to about verse 20. So we'll do a a short introduction and a a short summary of of those uh, previous messages. So uh, and I'll read through them and just summarize them as I go. So beginning in, uh, so we're in Colossians chapter 1, if you want to turn there firstly. Uh, so the book of Colossians in chapter 1. And beginning, uh, pardon me, in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, uh, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Uh, So this is the passage we began with, uh, and uh, we began by looking at some of the origin of the book. Uh, So it was written by Paul while he was in jail. And it was around the same time he wrote the book of Ephesians. We also looked at the city of Colossae and some of the influences which were upon the church. Uh, so these, the, the major two we looked at were Greek philosophy and Judaistic legalism. Uh, they were the main influences on the church. Uh, and it's important to know these and what they look like uh, as Paul addresses them all throughout Colossians. And you might have noticed that already. So Greek philosophy uh, is based in the love of knowledge Uh, and philosophical systems so it taught that the gospel itself was too simple and what was required for salvation was not christ alone but christ plus knowledge Uh, as well as this they believed christ was one of many lesser gods not actually god himself which paul teaches against in many places Uh, some which we've looked at already including verse 19 of chapter 1 which says that in christ all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell not split out between uh, smaller emanations of God, uh, but fully uh, in Christ. The second element uh, which we looked at that was influencing the church at the time was Judaistic legalism, also known as Jewish ceremonialism. So this taught that circumcision was necessary for salvation, and they also practiced asceticism uh, in the form of self-denial and harsh treatment of the body. These two strong influences of the time are particularly important to remember as we read Colossians, as they give light to what Paul is writing about and give reason for a lot of the content of the letter. Uh, The the rest of verses 3 to 8, which we just read, we saw that Paul was thankful for the church. Specifically, he was thankful for their faith in Christ Jesus, their love for the saints and also for their hope, which was laid up in heaven. Now, the next portion we looked at, Uh, were verses 9 through to 14, uh, which say, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, 
bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In this passage, Paul talks about prayer and the content of his prayers concerning the church. One of the key things we noted uh, was that, uh, that Paul prayed for was that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Uh, and we looked at the fact that the example we look to uh, in this is Jesus Christ, who lived his life perfectly filled with the knowledge of God's will. And after this, we looked at the five benefits of, or fruits of applying the knowledge of God's will in our own lives. And just quickly, number one was that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Practically, this is living our lives in a way that reflects our salvation, specifically our position as righteous before God. Second benefit that we looked at was to be fruitful in every good work. Uh, this fruit could take different forms, but examples in the New Testament that we looked at were good deeds, leading people to Christ, praise, and giving money, to name a few. Uh, the third fruit of the knowledge of God's will was growth, so increasing in the knowledge of God, the idea of maturing spiritually. The fourth fruit is that we may be strengthened with all power, uh, our inner being receiving fresh strength through the knowledge of God. Uh, and the fifth benefit we looked at was endurance and patience with joy, knowledge of the will of God as found in his promises and teachings of scripture help us to react to the trials and temptations of life in the right way, uh, and importantly, with joy. Uh, the most recent portion that we've looked at uh, were verses 15 to 20, uh, which I'll read now. Uh, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Uh, we looked at the fact that Paul says Jesus is God, and that Jesus himself says that he is God, that Jesus is sovereign, supreme over all, uh, that he created all things, and that in the intricacies of creation we can see the work of God for ourselves, and we can also use it to show God to others. Uh, we also looked at the fact that Jesus is not only over creation, but the head of the church as well. He is the ranking one, the one in authority over the church and all things. Uh, which is summed up when Paul says that he is preeminent. <clears throat> a strong word meaning that there is none other in this category, uh, that he is matchless. But in all of his power and might, Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the universe, was willing to submit to the plan of redemption and die at the hands of sinful man. And that's what we'll be looking at today in verses 21 to 23. Uh, so let's read those now. 
Uh, Verse 21, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So verse 21 begins by saying, And you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And this is the state before reconciliation, which is mentioned later. All people are alienated from God, in that every man has sinned and falls short. Now we know that there is none righteous, none like God, none perfect. In fact, we are not just alienated, but we are enemies of God. Hostile in mind, the verse says. Romans 5 and verse 10 says, While we were yet enemies with God, we were reconciled. It wasn't just the doing of evil deeds, but even in our minds we were hostile. Sin has corrupted not just the outer workings of a person, but the inner man, uh, which we know must be true because that is where our actions and deeds come from. Uh, Verse 22 of Colossians 1 says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Uh, The word reconciled here uh, is what this portion is all about. Uh, It's not just the normal uh, word for reconcile though, but one with an even greater intensity. So it means thoroughly, totally reconciled. Uh, It's not a word that's used often in the Bible, only in three cases. Uh, Two times in this passage and once more in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16, which says uh, from verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. Verse 22 says that he reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death. So this is talking about the human form that Jesus took to die for us, the shedding of blood as a sacrifice, uh, as was seen all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, The reason we need this reconciliation is because, as we looked at earlier, in our natural state we are enemies with God and we need to be brought to peace with him. Uh, We can't reconcile ourselves with God There is nothing in ourselves that gives us merit or power to bring peace with God. Uh, But God chose to have peace with us, not only peace, but to welcome us into his family, those of us who are saved. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were weak. We had no strength to reconcile ourselves. We were unrighteous, yet Christ chose to die for us. And in John chapter 10 and verse 17 and 18, Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
So we see that Jesus laid down his life of his own accord. And verse 22 continues saying, In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, as the redeemed and the reconciled, we are made holy in God's sight. We are freed from all accusation of our neighbours and of the law, Christ having taken our punishment on our behalf. And verse 23 continues by saying, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. In other words, this will be the case if you have, if you who have already believed in Christ Jesus continue that faith, grounded in the knowledge and love of God. Paul asks that they be not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Uh, he doesn't want them to be swayed by the other teachings which are prominent in the culture, but rather to hold fast to the teachings of Jesus, which he has proven and become a minister of. Paul is constantly reminding and reinforcing the teaching of salvation, redemption and reconciliation uh, to all the churches and to all the people that he can. Uh, it's important that we consider the workings of salvation as a church and also individually on a regular basis. And I'd just like to finish by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 14 to 21. And I'll give you a minute to turn there. So 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 14 uh, to 21. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.